Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Yay! So we have Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw in the stude. Is this the one and only Kimberly Crenshaw, a.k.a. the coiner of the term intersectionality that is all over everybody's Twitter streams right The now? coiner of the term intersectionality. Wow. Not just the right. coiner, the thinker. Yeah. Lightweight, well-versed in critical legal theory. I mean, just like, imagine putting that on your resume. <laughs> can you imagine? You know that word? Yeah. That's, that's all me. me. That's, that's all me. me. Also, I can type 95 <laughs> words a minute. <laughs> Do I have the this job? This is Tracy, not Kimberly Crenshaw speaking. <laughs> in case that was unclear. Actually, I type 101 words in that, so I was being humble. Yo, I'm hyped to talk to her, though. Me I too. I feel like it's been a minute since that word has just been sort of like in the ether, but like you kind of yeah. forget its roots and like, you know. It's one of those words that gets said so much you don't really think about it mm-hmm. when you hear it and when you see it. So yes. she's going to hook it up. Hit him with a little context. Hit him with the context. Oh, hit him I with ain't going to do it. Hit him with the context. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. This is what I imagine all black professors are thinking. I mean, once I'm a black professor, that's what that's going to be. Once we get our honorary doctorates. Bam. Listen, hitting we're still holding context. out on that. It's happening. Someone get us an honorary doctorate. Please, one of y'all works at a university. I know you do. Yes. Until then, we have Tracy's Animal Corner. <laughs> Dr. Tracy's in the building. <laughs> giving us all the instruction. It's going to be great. I'm excited. Me too. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Heaven, guess what? What up? It's time for Animal Corner. Guess what else? What? You have been being really unfair to bats. Uh, and listen, we've never had a conversation about bats, but I know this because the whole world <laughs> Jesus. is unfair to bats. Okay, yeah, because they look creepy. Okay, but let's start there. All right. Do they look creepy or are they actually adorable and you just haven't noticed? I think they're adorable. And What's you with the options, know. I guess? Okay, imagine. <laughs> imagine that you have a puppy. Uh-huh. Imagine a puppy. Okay, like, okay, 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 tiny puppy. okay. Now shrink the puppy down to to the size of your average bat. I you're you okay, lost no, me already. No. Okay, okay. So it's a very small puppy. So imagine a tiny puppy in a Dracula costume. Okay. Adorable. <laughs> He's so cute. What's he doing? Where's he going? Huh? Okay. Where did he get the costume? Where did he get it from? How does it fit so perfectly? How much cuter would this tiny puppy in a Dracula uniform beef he could actually fly. Can you imagine? Okay. I Yeah, that'd be adorable. Heaven, guess what? What? That's what the fuck a bat is. <laughs> it's an adorable teeny tiny little puppy in a Dracula costume. That's okay. it. That's it. That's all a bat is. Okay, so here's the problem with bats. <laughs> bats need a better PR firm. They do. Because, listen, they are not being represented well at all. So, you got the they whole... They don't look great out here. <laughs> Some of them don't look great. Okay. Some bats are actually super adorable. Not all bats. I regret nothing. (laughs) Hashtag not all bats. It's true. It's necessary. And the thing is, like, when people think about bats, they think of, like, the weird things with, like, the little pig noses and, like, the weird bandy ears and the fangs and the biting of the people and shit. You're literally describing all the parts of a bat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, from its head down to its toes. How it makes it just curl up inside. I am (laughs) describing... I'm describing like half of a percentage of the population. Okay. Of bats. Did you know that according to the internet, I didn't, that there are over 1,200 species of bats? I genuinely did not know that. Bam. Okay. So many species means so much genetic diversity, which okay. means that not every bat can be terrible and hideous and ugly and Aww. is trying to like bite your neck and like <laughs> suck all your life force out. Sure. Yeah. You know, so there's that. Also, here's the thing Bram Stoker. The dude who wrote Dracula, mm. he really fucked everything up. <laughs> you know how people of color feel about Christopher Columbus? I feel like that's how bats have to feel about Bram Stoker. Being discovered. Right. Like, how are you just going to rewrite the whole thing that a bat could potentially be? Mm. You know? Also, let's talk about uh, uh, motherfucking uh, patriarchy <laughs> and uh, toxic masculinity and how, how it involves bats. <laughs> Because Bram Stoker I'm listening. wrote this really beautiful novel sure. about this charming, sexy vampire <laughs> who breaks into your shit at night and like seduces <laughs> you and bites you on the neck, just like a vampire bat supposedly does. They don't even do that, by the way. But this man took the bat, right, and the symbol of the bat, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to use this animal to combat STDs and loose women. That's what Dracula's about, fam. That's what it's about. Listen, check it out. So Dracula is this like ghost, goblin, supernatural, whatever, Mm -hmm. like force is hard to resist, right? Okay. Preys on women. 
How many times have you heard about Dracula just sucking on some man's <sighs> neck? Do men not bleed the same blood? <laughs> can that blood not keep Dracula alive? Of Jesus. course it can. I never but even he, thought about this. Listen, praise like on it. women. I right. don't like it. And the way that Dracula turns another human into the undead, a.k.a. a vampire, mm. how does he do it? He bites on the neck, right? Mm-hmm. And he sucks the blood that's fluid transfer. Oh. When else does fluid transfer happen? During sex. <laughs> Guess what happens when you have sex? STD. Oh, my so God. Dracula oh, no. is all about don't do it because once the fluid transfers, you're going to get all kind of STDs and it's fucked up. Wow. Yeah. That's the function of Dracula, the story wow. of Dracula. Now, of course, it was rooted in like actual like Nosferatu undead, like lore from like what the Carpathian. <laughs> it's a fancy vampire. I don't know. It's like a hipster vampire, what is probably. <laughs> you know that actual Nosferatu. Can you imagine? Like, there's there's a vampire. It's like, like, oh like my god, vampire. <laughs> Nosferatu. Yeah, I think Nosferatu is just a vampire who's like really, really into like, you know, I was a vampire before it was cool. Oh my God. I was a vampire when it was just Nosferatu. <laughs> so, Heaven, I say all this to say uh-huh. that Bats got swept up into Bram Stoker's whole don't have sex, loose women thing because mm. you're women and you're filthy. So, you don't want to be a bat. I can't believe I never noticed that subtext. Bam. So, how do we get to this from Bats? Okay. So, vampires. Mm hmm supposedly, according to lore, turn into bats and fly away. The bat is their true form, right? right. And this is because there is a bat known as a vampire bat. And yeah, it drinks blood. Fine. Who's blood? Livestock. Not even people. Like, bats don't be attacking people like people think that bats (laughs) attack people. Bats can barely see your ass, first of all. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's a situation. That's a situation. Secondly, all they want to do is eat and mind their business. So, Mm -hmm. in the event that a bat comes near you, there's probably some mosquito that's trying to get. And in which case, isn't he doing you a favor? This is a good point. Let me get all these bugs and shit away from you. You don't want them. (laughs) I got it. So, here are some facts about bats. (laughs) Back facts. Ficky, ficky. Bat facts. Bat facts. We are not here to fat shame bats. Bat facts. (laughs) (laughs) Bat facts. So, back fat. <laughs> did you know that 75% of all bats, all types of bats, all bat populations are vegetarian? What? So 75% of bats don't give a fuck about you. Okay, that's good They're to know. Good to know. And honestly, the 25% that is not vegetarian eats bugs. Mm. So, like, there's no bat that's like, ooh, human blood. Mm. <laughs> if I don't do that, I'm a bat. That's some Bram Stoker shit. That's so, a, what are my dangers with bats? Am I over-perceiving okay. the amount of danger there? Yes, you absolutely positively are. So, a lot of people call bats mice with wings. Mm-hmm. Listen, they're not related to mice at all. I don't know her. It's a complete, don't know her. She doesn't even call her. This is a completely different-ass mammal. It's a, it's a bat. It's its own little thing. So, there's that. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, bats have rabies. Okay. Okay. That is honestly my next point. <laughs> but guess what else got rabies, fam? Uh, Dogs. Oh. Raccoons. Foxes. <laughs> animals you that you... Yes! Animals that you are more likely to come into contact with in the wild than a bat. Mm. Bats is in caves and trees. Remember, mm. they not... They just like, listen, I'm in that 75% that don't fuck with you. Less than one half of 1% of bats carry any disease at all. I'm going to say it again. Less than one half of 1% of bats. You sound like the bat lobby right now. (laughs) They need a hero. (laughs) Am I wrong? Oh, perhaps I could be Batman. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard any of the new Drake? Uh, No. Okay, well, it ends with a nah, 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 nah. Bat, bat. It's me. It's me. Can I get you to admit on the air that bats are kind of cute? Some bats are kind of cute. 1,200 okay, okay, different kinds okay, of bats. Okay, okay, okay. One of them got to be cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got Yay! that. I got that. I can confidently say some Animal bats wins. are interesting and bats cute. Bats are cute. Heaven Okay, bats. let's not get crazy. Heaven and bats. <laughs> Sitting in a cage. Absolutely not. Hanging out controlling <laughs> the bug population. Nope. In the plant. Nope. To the Batmobile. To the Batmobile. To the next segment, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you have ever talked about the phrase intersectionality before, fact is... 
you heard that from our next guest. Yes, and you didn't even know it. Yes, so we're very excited to be talking to Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw today. Yay! Professor Crenshaw is a critical race and constitutional law professor, Light Flex. (laughs) (laughs) She's the founder of the African American Policy Forum and currently teaches at both Columbia and UCLA. We are actually drinking Hennessy. Yes, and we're drinking Hennessy because this is what Dr. Crenshaw herself prefers. She requested. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you and welcome. Yes, welcome. Happy to be here. Well, since we're all drinking, how about we start with the cheers? I love it. To a fantastic conversation and just hanging out and being black and wonderful. Cheers. Tune it up. (laughs) Yes. So I don't mean to brag too much on ourselves, but... We're pretty good at like researching and Googling things and people. And Uh-oh. We love a good Google. Uh-oh. But you are a very <laughs> mysterious lady because we were not able to find very much on like your personal life. Right. Good. A good, lot good. about your scholarly work, of course. Yes, it stays that way. So it sounds like this is intentional, mm-hmm. but we still just wanted to ask you like a few getting to know you questions because we like to know who is in our stew drinking with us. Yeah. How would the people who know you best describe you? Um, let's see. Uh, all over the place, hard to be found. <laughs> I love it already. Um, somebody had this Where's Waldo book, and they put Where's Kim on it. <laughs> really, you know, funny. Um, so people are surprised when when I actually pick up the phone. So it's like, okay, wow, that's new. Um, I'm up all hours of the night. So are like, you like a late night emailer? Yeah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> two o'clock in the morning, I'm sending stuff. You know, drives my staff crazy. But yeah, they would say I'm. I run around a lot, and they would say I love to have good food. Ooh, so, I love that. So you made a mention of Canton, Ohio, where you were born and raised. I feel like I also partly identify as a Midwesterner because I'm from Louisville. Oh, oh. Which is like Southern and Midwestern. My grandma was from Louisville. Oh, my God. We're yes, cousins. Yes, yes, <laughs> And Williams. My yep. grandmother was a Williams. Oh, well, you know. All it's got to be the only one, you yeah. know. <laughs> I feel like, especially here on the East Coast, people like to talk about the Midwest as if it's like some, you know, just like an unfortunate hunk of land oh, that people man. were too dumb to move out of, right? And it's just like, oh, come yeah, on. Especially that. So especially what was growing that. up in the Midwest like for you? Um, You know, it was, and, and still is, I, I still uh, have my family home there. Um, I still go home all the time. Yes. Um, it was a really comfortable uh, place. It was um, economically and racially segregated. So we were the second black family to move in the neighborhood. And I, I remember standing <laughs> outside like, okay, who's going to come play? Right? <laughs> you know, and I would say it, it was sort of, it was almost like a horror movie because <laughs> it felt like the neighborhood was suddenly abandoned. Yeah. And you would get a feeling that people were peering out of their windows, <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. people were looking at you, but you can't see them. And you'd look and they don't close the curtain real fast. Like, who lives here? Where are they? So, uh, yeah, we, we experienced, I guess, um, you know, racial segregation, Midwestern style. You know, it's politer, uh, but it's every bit as real. Um, and at the same time, you know, we were fairly comfortable in, you know, as white people moved out, black people moved in. I was, mm. from my perspective, more people to play with. It's all good. Um, and so in that in that space, um, you know, we, we were the village. You know, the idea it takes a village to raise a kid. So truly, if I was two blocks away or ten blocks away, if I did something, by the time I got home, my parents would hear about it. You know that. That was the original you know Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ask a question that you probably get asked in every interview that you do. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little unavoidable. Okay. And I feel that way because the term intersectionality feels like something that has always existed since I was, like, born. But clearly it didn't exist the entire time because someone, i.e. you, had to coin it. What's the story behind it? How did you come mm-hmm. to give birth to the phrase that now everybody tweets every other second on Twitter? Yeah. Um, making stuff up (laughs) that's the other thing people would say about me like when (laughs) you go over to play her house she she always has some kind of new game Mm. something to try out yes those are the Uh, best friends and so basically when I started writing um, a lot of the ways that I think about things uh, just kind of transferred over to the intellectual work so I'm a person that, that thinks in terms of metaphors 
um, drawings. Like if you were to see when I'm trying to work mm-hmm. something out, there's like all kinds of arrows and stuff like that. <laughs> so that's how I can remember what I'm thinking. I'll draw a picture and a picture will tell me what it was that mm-hmm. I was trying to work out. So that's just sort of the the platform around my thinking. Um, and the specific context was that, you know, I was a young law professor. I'd been trying to think through questions about how race and gender come together in the law for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'd been part of a radical group of mainly white law professors, um, had worked with white women who mm-hmm. were radical feminists and had begun to organize people of color in a radical formation of lawyers and law professors of color. So there were all these different kind of frames, but mm-hmm. many times they just didn't come together. You'd have one conversation with one group and another conversation right, with another right. group. And I, I, I had the sense that there was something missing. And so when I finally started reading some law cases about black women making anti-discrimination claims against employers, that was what showed me what was missing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, you know, this comes from the Midwest as well, where a large number of African-Americans towards the latter half of the 20th century got jobs in auto manufacturing Mm -hmm. plants. Mm -hmm. But auto manufacturing is a segregated production. There are black jobs and there are mm-hmm. white jobs. The black mm-hmm. jobs are usually the heavy jobs, the oh, dangerous the jobs. jobs. Yeah, those. Mm-hmm. And the white jobs are, you know, further down the process <laughs> or in the office or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's it's race segregated. Then there are gender jobs, right? Yeah. So um, there is, if you're a guy, labor. If you're a woman, you get to work in the front office. Mm-hmm. Problem was that the women's jobs weren't for black people. Yeah, for cute little white women. Right. <laughs> Who are cute welcoming Exactly. Yeah. And the black jobs weren't for women. Mm-hmm. So Emma DeGraffenry was a, a black woman from St. Louis who said, look, I'm being discriminated against um, on the basis of race and gender. Mm. Obviously, I I can't take the jobs that white women get, and I can't take the jobs black men get. Mm -hmm. And the courts just said, no, you can't prove race discrimination because we actually hire black men. (sighs) And you can't prove gender discrimination because we hire white women. And so you don't exist, so, so you basically, you're, if you can't figure out how to tell your story in the same way yeah. that a black yeah. man does or the same way as a white woman does, mm-hmm. you don't have a story to tell. Ooh. And I just didn't get like, well, I'm living a life and I feel like I can tell my story. Why can't you hear it? Mm-hmm. Right. Why can't mm-hmm. the law hear it? So intersectionality was just a way of trying to use a common metaphor to explain to people who couldn't hear our story mm. In a way that, you know, they could say, okay, I get it now. I see what happens when a race policy is coming down this way and yeah. a gender policy is coming down this way and you happen to be both a woman and a black person. Yeah. You're standing right there. <laughs> Wham! Oh you know, gosh. it's just that simple. Mm. And, right? So it's a, it's, a, it's a big word, but it's a common metaphor. Yeah. And I wanted to make it simple. Oh, man. That's like one of those word problems that you always have to do in, like, middle school. <laughs> it's like, if racism is leaving Seattle at 12 <laughs> What time are they both going to hit your black ass? That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It reminds me of the title of one of my favorite anything. All the women are white. All All the the blacks are men. Yes, all the blacks are men. Exactly. Some of us are brave. Yes. Uh, Mm, mm. Some of us are out here living in the intersections. Some of us are out here. And I was deeply influenced by Mm. that and deeply influenced by the Combahee River Collective and Polly Murray and Bell Hooks. I mean, people who were thinking about gender from a race perspective and race from a gender perspective. So I went into law school feeling very much like I was a black feminist. But the law school didn't have a race project. They didn't really have a gender project. And they certainly didn't have a black feminist project. They're like, what's that? Yeah, Yeah, what's that? (laughs) Who are you? Why are you here? I know. Did you you grow up thinking, oh, maybe I'll create critical race theory? (laughs) Right. (laughs) What did you want to be when you were a kid? And like, how did you end up here? Well, to hear my family tell it, um, they thought from the time I was like 11 or so that I was going to be a lawyer because I was um, (laughs) argumentative. Mm -hmm. I I didn't consider it argumentative. Mm -hmm. I consider it 
truth-seeking. Yeah. So, you know, if my parents wanted to punish me for something, I wanted to understand, well, what's the offense? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, did we discuss this before? <laughs> Because um, or or right. yeah. I don't know. or or I, I this this is when I think I really decided I wanted to fight injustice. My brother was eight years older than me, oh. and whenever we went out, they always told me do what he says. Basically, he is the oh. absent. He is the parent. <laughs> My brother is also eight years older. Than oh, me, so you I'm, know that you know you know. Okay, you yeah. got it. You got it. <laughs> so off we go to church. And my brother decided on this day that we were going to leave church early. And I was like, are you sure we're going to do it? Not only were we going to leave church early, we were going to take the money for collection. Oh, no. And go buy candy. Oh, no. And I'm like, really? Did you interrupt with your mama and Jesus? See, my my (laughs) idea is... You tell me to follow him. I'm following the rule. Yeah. The, the primary right, rule. Right, I did as right. I was told. Not another mm-hmm. rule. But my parents, who decided late to go to church that day mm-hmm. and got there oh, and we no. weren't there, were on Whoa. They were oh, so mad. Right? Ooh, so we just having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we get home and they are like blowing it, right? <laughs> so I think I have immunity. That That's what I think. <laughs> Your Honor, I was just doing what I was told. <laughs> and they were like, no, you knew you shouldn't have left church. So I'm like, okay, which rule should I have yeah. followed? This is a con- a classic legal problem. Oh a God. conflict of rules. Competing Fair. authority. Fair. So, you know, I kind of got into it with them. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, they were like, okay, you, you think you're house. a little lawyer. Yeah. But we're the parents. So <laughs> Whatever you're going to be, you're not that yet. <laughs> so, wait, were you exonerated in this case? You, you know, I think I did not get the whooping that I okay. would have gotten. I so mean, and I heard them kind of giggling about it afterwards, <laughs> but they had a straight face, you know. <laughs> we are the parents. Right? <laughs> that authority, that's the problem with the state. <laughs> <laughs> so, to go back to the intersectionality mm-hmm. term thing. So you give birth to this thing, and then it gets released into the world, and... <laughs> Nothing happens. What do you mean? For years. It's oh, true. This is true. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I looked up, I uh, searched the just, like, Google trends for intersectionality, and from when they market 2004 to now... The peak was in January 2017, right after the and, Women's March. And that means this is when it was the most the most Googled that it has ever yes. been, right? Mm-hmm. So right after the Women's March and then peak, peak in March just now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there was like a specific impetus or yeah. just a... Yeah. Just, it looks like a, a graph that's like slowly right. but surely getting larger. Well, if you started it from like 1989... When Google did not it, exist. It would probably be a flat line mm. until maybe... 93, 94, little bit of a pickup around Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill, mm. um, a little bit of a dive around the Million Man March. That was not a popular thing to criticize. Ooh. And then probably a little further down and just flat for for a, a good bit of time. Mm. And then, yeah, then suddenly it's and so overnight. And gets elected. <laughs> yeah. Well, from the graph, it's like 2012 to 2016 is like mm. the biggest point of like clear rising trend mm-hmm. yeah and then it's some clear peaks <laughs> yeah. from some clear november 2016 <laughs> wow wow january 2017 <laughs> what was it like to watch the term blow up um it was a mixed bag really to tell you the truth well because um you know ideas take on a life of their own yeah um you know that's the, that's the nature of intellectual and political work so um, one has no uh, ability to eat, predict or control how mm. people use the term. So sometimes people use it in ways that uh, somewhat undermine the point. Um, <laughs> and then other people who are frustrated about that mm-hmm. um, don't necessarily direct their frustration to the people who are using it in a problematic way. It goes all the way back to me sometimes. Oh, wow. And, and that, that's tough, right? Yeah. Because you, you don't want to be fighting every 
criticism, Mm -hmm. even though frequently you get called out for it. And then, you know, the field is huge. There are a lot of people who write about intersectionality, but when people want to criticize it, they they tend to criticize one person. Mm. About two or three weeks ago, Andrew Sullivan wrote a piece uh, criticizing. Is intersectionality a religion? A religion. Um, <laughs> so like so that, that was like a craze. I was like, man, maybe I should have done that. But anyway, <laughs> that was like mega church of intersectionality, mm. right? You know, so that was something. And then my former law professor, Alan Dershowitz wrote a piece about 10 days ago basically saying intersectionality was anti-Semitic. So, you, I mean, what? You, yeah. You got I like, saw that and I didn't know what to make of it. You know, yeah. I'm really more interested in what it enables. Does mm. the, does the um, traveling of the idea carry with it the capacity to interrogate political practices that are non-intersectional? Mm. Uh, that's, to me, really the, the most significant uh, potential payoff. Mm-hmm. The thing that always gives me pause or kind of like makes me worry is seeing people, it's kind of like the word diversity, right? Like oh, diversity yes. is <laughs> moments, darling, just grand moments. <laughs> to quote McSweeney's, I googled intersectionality, so now I'm totally woke. Yeah, oh. right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> McSweeney's the humor site. <laughs> So, like, I wonder if you worry about the same thing happening with the term intersectionality because, like, diversity is, like, the thing that, like, white people can say to make them look like they're doing, like, the bare minimum of mm, being a human being. That's right. Like, diversity that's right. is important. Now that's I can right. sit down, you yep. know? And I feel like yep. people do the same thing with the term intersectionality. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, well, that's one of the examples that, that worries me. You know, mm. they use it to basically authorize themselves as being woke. They use it to say it's complicated. So if it's complicated, <laughs> you don't have to do Nuanced. anything. Right. I get this. It's complicated. Sit down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so that's that's always my concern. But, you know, the, the flip of that concern is I, I was on a panel a couple years ago with the with a prominent white feminist. Mm. And she asked me, well, Would you like to name names. No, no. Not on the first, honey. We, we make it right. <laughs> OK, we'll get we'll get another one. So, <laughs> so, you know, she asked me, you know, effectively, uh, given the uptick take and um you know the the depoliticization of intersectionality mm. are you are you prepared to give it up mm. and i said are you prepared to give up feminism Ooh. i mean come on now you know i names for frames. all sipping our tea right, right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's just that is the way ideas circulate you always battle first you battle to get the idea in right. then you battle about the content and the substance of the idea the the point isn't to abandon the right. ground it is to fight to define what the ground means mm. and people get that for things that they really care mm. about mm-hmm. but when it's your stuff they're quick to say oh well that's kind of like past his expiration date yeah. and you throw that out I'm like right. you past your expiration date you <laughs> right. know so it's like our, how's that work our theories and the things that we believe when other people start to hear about them they become trends somehow like, yeah yes the diversity definition. is trendy yeah right yeah. shouldn't it just be the way that we live our lives yeah <laughs> can mm-hmm. it stay forever is yeah. that okay did you go to the women's march huh I mean, the, the statistic I, I cited about the Google searches, not the statistic, excuse me, just the graph. Yeah. That peak was after the Women's March when people were Googling intersectional feminism. Yeah. Why did you go? Well, um, I I went for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, I thought whatever the different politics of the march were, the need for the majority of people mm. who actually did not vote for this current president needed to be represented in some way. And this was the thing that was drawing mm. that energy. So I thought it was important to to be part of it. Um, mm. I think it's important to put your body where your politics are, right, where right. your aspirations are, where your resistance is. Um, so I, I went for that reason. I also went because the mothers of Say Her Name wanted to go. Mm. It was important for them uh, to be part of this mass demonstration. It was important for them to have a space to lift up um, their daughters who'd been killed by the police, black women killed by the police, Mm -hmm. whose names frequently are not lifted up. Mm. So when they say it's important 
for us to be there. It's important for us to be there with mm-hmm. them. So um, we took a, a contingent uh, to to the march, um, and for many of them, it was an uplifting um, and encouraging experience to be there. Mm. Were you surprised that so many white women came out for Trump? I have to say yes. I have to say yes. I mean, I if if um, I think the number was something like fifty three percent. Yeah. So if the famous pussy grabbing hadn't happened, I Mm. I wouldn't have been surprised. Mm. Right. I I was anticipating it up to that moment. Really. And when that moment happened, I thought, oh well, finally you get a chance to see that he is a predator not just against those others that you don't identify right. with. Right. He's a predator against you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I did think that there would be some uh, impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, more broadly, Republicans have gotten about that percentage of the white female vote for the last several election cycles. So mm. it, that wasn't entirely shocking, mm. except for the fact that I thought that would really yeah. cause him to take a hit from, you know, especially white working women who have to deal with this crap all the time. You mm-hmm. know, everybody was saying, well, he, there's no way he'll win, mm. you know, Pennsylvania because all the bedroom communities around, you know, Philadelphia, all the working women, they're, you know, they're not going to vote for him. There's no way he'll win Michigan. I mean, there right. All of these assumptions. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, um, I think two things. I think I think whiteness played a role. Yeah. I, you know, and I I think people forget that white women are are white, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and 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 we're not talking about all of them, of course, but of course, you know, people course, people when they think white male, it just goes mm. as a given. Yeah, sure, white yeah. males, they're going to vote in that way, but it, there's like a question mark about white women. Well, uh-huh. have you been in this country? <laughs> I mean, have you been? Are you aware of our history? I mean, right. white women have voted white and even feminism historically mm-hmm. made arguments. I mean, suffrage was an argument not based on all women. Mm-hmm. It was based on, hey, we're just like you, white men. Mm-hmm. How could you deny us the right to vote and give it to the great unwashed and unclean, right, right? these right. black men? So it's it's not new that whiteness is a, sort of an organizing principle for <laughs> white women's politics. Yeah. I, I just thought maybe this might be a moment where they break off a piece for something different. (laughs) (laughs) You thought. I thought. We all thought. Um, (laughs) Something that I've been thinking about recently, both because I watch a large amount of of reality TV that's like set in prisons, like lock up and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also because (laughs) (laughs) and also we interviewed um, Remy Ma not long after her beef with Nicki Minaj. Mm Um, but we talked to her about her time in prison and the criminal justice system and how it forgets all about women and black women, which is a nice um, loop around to say her name in that whole project. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think it is that um, women of color, black women in particular, are so forgotten and left out when it comes to talking about like state sanctioned violence against black people at the hands of police? Yeah. Um so many different reasons. I, I think I, I, I'd boil it down to the fact that black women are not seen as targets of state violence and they're not seen as representative of the experience of white supremacy. When you think of white supremacy, when you think of racial violence, um, you, you don't think about the black women who were raped mm-hmm. historically. You know, when, when we think about some of our icons, even uh, Rosa Parks, um, people imagine her entering um, their consciousness uh, sitting on um, a bus, mm-hmm. um, refusing to give up a seat. What you don't think about is her long history being a rape crisis advocate for black women who were mm. raped in the South and could not expect realistically to achieve any justice for that. So, you know, historically, the way racism has played out mm. in black women's lives just has not been remembered. There's been an intentional forgetting from one um, epoch to the next. Mm -hmm. That's just part of the history. So as a consequence, um, when we get to a modern period, 
we have for so long thought about racist violence against black male bodies mm-hmm. that we actually think that it doesn't happen mm. uh, to black women and girls. I, I, I'll give you a case in point. So um, we all were mobilized uh, around the tragedy of Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that he could effectively be lynched um, by, by a, an individual and then um, that individual is acquitted for it, right? Mm-hmm. That will, we, we will remember that for 100 years, just like right, Emmett Till right, is right. remembered now 60 years later. It was mobilizing. Mm-hmm. It was galvanizing. Everybody was like, I am Trayvon because we realize that being black in this mm-hmm. society makes you vulnerable to all sorts of random forms of of violence, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, many people don't know the name Latasha Harlins, who was a 15-year-old black girl who was killed by a Korean shopkeeper, mm-hmm. shot in the back of the head mm-hmm. um, two weeks before the huge uprising in Los Angeles in the 90s, right? Now, those are very similar cases. Mm-hmm. And, and the shopkeeper, although convicted, only got community service, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, the price of that child's life mm-hmm. was basically 500 hours mm-hmm. of community service. Now, these are two instances in which white supremacy played out both in the taking of the life and the justification for the taking of the life. One we remember, it will go down in history, the other one we don't. Those are just two examples we know about. So Mm -hmm. if you multiply that over history and you multiply that across the entire criminal injustice enterprise, the the number of moments that black women have experienced these, these consequences are, are just so completely marginalized. Mm-hmm. So when things happen, when black women get killed by the police, when Michelle Cousseau is shot through the heart because the police officer said the look on her face mm-hmm. made him feel that he was in danger, um, when, when Natasha McKenna is in a jail cell and six white police officers in hazmat uniforms go in to extract her, mm-hmm. she comes out nude. They taser her four times. Mm. They strap her to a chair. They put a hood on her. Um, They basically lynch her as well. Mm. That's on the internet. People can see that. The fact that that does not generate the kind of outrage and protest is, I think, a message that people just don't know where to put this kind of violence Mm. that gets meted out against black women. So say her name is basically a call, not just to say their name, but to witness what happens to black women. You can't say their name if you Mm. don't know what has happened. It's not just going to show up. You're going to have to look for it because the frames have not been capacious enough to Mm. hold the way that black women experience white supremacy. That was a read right there. It was. A sermon, a gospel, (laughs) all of the above. Um, what kind of pushback has the Say Her Name movement gotten? And who does that pushback come from? Ooh, a look okay. was just given. Mm-hmm. Let me have and another a sip was just taken. Listen, do we need to get the rest of the bottle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can do that. Henny, talk to me now. <laughs> um, well, you know, when we first started it, we were at one of the Eric Garner protests here in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, prepared a, a, a long banner that had about 12 pictures of black women who had been killed by the police. And, you know, our notion was we were marching with everyone else Mm. against police violence. So we were in the march. But we, but you know, we noticed, you know, you, you know, there, there are the 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 march, you know, chants, um, you know, we're shutting it down for Mike Brown, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, these cops have got to go. I have a few that I really like, um, and so <laughs> so people would, you know, be marching and, and they'd say the names, and so we would we would try a few chants and we put a woman's name in, mm-hmm. and it would just go, you know, I mean, people just. It, it was. It was like, are we supposed to be saying that, right? Mm. Who are they, um, and and why are they here? So we 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 stepped out of the march and climbed up on the scaffold and and just unfurled the banner there. Mm-hmm. So as people were walking by, you know, they could see it. Mm. And and I think we saw three different responses that it, it typifies the response to their name. The first was, you know, thumbs up, yeah, uh-huh. right, we mm-hmm. should be saying their names. We'll allow it. 
yes, we'll allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second was, what? You mm-hmm. know, just people were incredulous. And so they would kind of wander over and, and just sort of look at the names. So that I think there was just, you saw the moment of being shocked with new information. Mm. And then there's the third group Uh-oh. that were like, what the Right, you know, where where the men's names? Where the wow. men's names? And we would say men's names are on Everywhere. every other yeah. poster here. I mean, seventy, eighty thousand people are marching. Mm-hmm. You know, and they know the men's names. They know Eric Garner. They know Tamir Rice. Right. They know Mike Brown. Mm-hmm. They don't know Michelle Cassell or Denisha Anderson. So this is this is an integration. This isn't a zero-sum game. That's mm-hmm. not what this is. But that kind of resistance, I think, typifies the way in which many people see our brothers as the quintessential subject of racial oppression. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of downstream. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, the, the centering of patriarchy plays out in our movement. So mm-hmm. it's not Ooh. surprising that, you know, say her name would generate some of that response. Mm-hmm. Just as women's names, cis women's names are silenced and erased from this larger movement, um, things are twice, three times, four times as bad in the trans community. And we notice that you always seem to make what feels like a very deliberate um, point mm. to include the trans community in all the activism that you do. And, I mean, we can tell just by scrolling through our Twitter timelines that that is rare, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this something that you see as one day not being so fucking terrible? You know, I think all of our activism is is shaped around the hope that one Mm -hmm. day it will not be so terrible. And I think it's also shaped around the idea that it becomes commonplace Mm -hmm. to articulate a vision of inclusion that does not have to articulate itself as such, right? So Mm -hmm. when when we do the names, one of the things we do everywhere we go is we tell everybody to stand up. When they hear a name they don't recognize, sit down. Mm -hmm. I give like five names of African-American men. Virtually Mm -hmm. no one sits down. I give five names of women killed by the police. And by the third one, most people (laughs) are seated. Mm -hmm. And in that list, Mm -hmm. um, I make a point to include women who are cis and trans, women who had mental disabilities, Mm -hmm. women who were poor. The idea being that the vulnerability to state violence crosses all of our internal differences. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I I try to include all of them, um, not foreground any and not marginalize any. Mm -hmm. I think if we can get to a point in which our practice is one in which we recognize that women who are killed by the police include all kinds of vulnerabilities. Abilities, mm-hmm. not, not just some, all of them. Mm. That, that's my sense of what the goal of a more inclusive black feminist practice looks like. Mm. Mm. So we've already been having a blast. We're going <laughs> to turn the fun up a little bit. So this is a segment that we call Pew, Pew, Pew. So these are finger guns. Finger guns. Because it's rapid, rapid fire. fire. Question segment. Do you know I'm a law professor? <laughs> we, well, don't, we don't do anything we rapid. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> rapid. Well, you just have to understand. <laughs> well, the good news is that this is rarely actually rapid fire. Um, okay, so we understand that you are a Prince fan. Mm. What is your favorite Prince song? Um, the first one that I heard when Ooh. I thought he was going to be my boyfriend. Oh. I want to be your lover. Uh, oh. All the way back. Oh, did you ever write fan letters to Prince? No, I didn't. Me, me, me and Prince, we, we, we had a contested relationship. <laughs> did you? Tell yeah, me about this contested yeah. relationship. So I was on my way to Minneapolis when the word... Uh, oh, came out wow. that he had died. So like you just I happened like, to be on your way. I was. I was. I happened to be on my way. You know. Wow. I would like to say yes, I went, but no, I was in route. And mm-hmm. so as soon as I got there, I went straight. Mm. You know, to Paisley Park and was you know with hundreds of people who were just still like zombies. Everybody mm-hmm. was in a daze. It took me a long time to really you know yeah, uh, sure. get get over that. But yeah, I remember going to see Purple Rain. 
And, you know, this this was a time where, you know, there was like one black movie every two years, right? Mm-hmm. And if you and if you wanted to see black women, <laughs> you had to go to m- movies about black men. Yeah. Ugh. And I remember that's like the first time when it, I realized that, okay, I might not see black women in movies about black men. Mm. And it was just sort of a little bit, little chink in the heart, like, mm-hmm. okay, we're not really always going to be in this together. Mm. Okay. I, I'm going to have to... <sighs> Take it in mm-hmm. and be okay with that, mm-hmm. right? But it was a signal of a new moment mm-hmm. about what sort of racial solidarity was going to look like for the future. Mm. Well, every good relationship has its ups. It and sure does. I'm sure that you love. <laughs> and I still was crying at the strong. funeral. Like. <laughs> so this next question might be a little weird. Let's say that you had a printer that printed real money. Okay. You could print as much money as you wanted in any denomination for as long as you are in possession of this printer. Mm. Sounds almost too good to be true. Well, (laughs) but the catch is, in order to have and own and use this printer, you have to, and for our listeners who cannot see, you have a beautiful head of gorgeous locks. But the catch is, you have to live the rest of your life completely bald except for exactly one lock <laughs> right here in the front. Mm-hmm. You can't cover it with anything. You can't cut it off. You can't wear a wig. You can't wear a hat or a turban. It's just, just the there. one lock. It's just there. Yeah. Be in it. Do you accept the printer? Absolutely. Really? No question. I mean, well, yeah, I guess no I would question. Too. Uh, yeah, it's an easy yes for me. You look so crazy. No, I, I was, well, That's no, what I you were just you can't wear a hat. You can't cover it up. You just got to live your life with one, the, one lock. Just is, one in the front. One lock is cute. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, you I changed your mind? Uh, you can wear hats. Why can't you wear hats no, for some a, reason in this it's scenario? It's a condition of having the printer. You just cannot cover it up. I don't know. I got a big head. Job. All <laughs> the money in the world? Yeah. Your head's like, not that big. Okay. <laughs> You'd have enough money that you could hire people to be with you who have heads ten times your you size and yours would look true. small in comparison. Check out the posse. Listen. Look at this. That's real. Just hang out with people with a very big old head. Just hire ten Ethiopians <laughs> with big ass foreheads. Five heads, as we say. <laughs> yeah, you got enough bank. I got some five you heads. You can do in my anything. Family. True. You're right. You're right. I'm sleeping on this money. What am I doing? <laughs> right. So you are also a big fan of a one Miss Beyonce everyone is of course favorite album Beyonce or Lemonade favorite visual album I should say Lemonade mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. what What about Lemonade where were Lemonade? you <laughs> oh yes better question forget my question where were you when, when Lemonade dropped you know I think I was well I remember when I was when I saw it mm. we were at summer camp we have a black women's summer camp Aww, every year I at like vassar <laughs> and uh, it was a big moment where everybody wanted to sit down and watch it together on the big screen oh so. affirmation yes that's watching amazing. like after that visual album came out whenever i was in a room with at least three black women and there was, <laughs> that was some the conversation. sort of screen we would just like sit and watch it every time. It didn't even matter. Yeah. And I was Y'all on seen the this church part, service. Y'all right. seen this part. Shh. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I lately have been obsessed with people's moisturization routines. Mm-hmm. Lotions, oils, <laughs> scrubs. What are you doing? Do you have like a specific like I have... order that you like layer everything on? Like, let's... Well, so... She has great skin, by the way. Thank yes. you. Skin is Thank popping. You. Um, I bought <laughs> a steamer. <gasps> for my hair. Ooh. Uh, I love Ooh, it. I love really? it. Because, you know, when you go to the the shop and, you know, they say, well, we're going to put you and give you deep conditioner and put you in this steamer and they add, like, some crazy amount to yeah. your bill. Like, you just put some hot water in my hair. What do you mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to take one of those bills right. and I'm just going to buy my own steamer. And then what I what I really love now, like, when I started my locks, there was no like how to do it on yeah, the, internet. the natural hair movement. Was oh not man, a movement. I love like I need I need a new style today, mm-hmm. and I just go and look on it. It's like amazing. So now I learned 
that I can make my own conditioner. So yeah. I get my little blender and I'm throwing in some avocado oh, and I love it. coconut yes. oil. And it. It's like being a kid playing in your food and putting it all <laughs> I love this so it's much. It's fun. Oh my gosh. Dr. Crenshaw, this has been a blast been and a half. Please come back and drink Hennessy with us anytime. Please invite me studio, back. Honestly. Yes. 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 That works anytime. for me. Where can people find you in your work? You can find me at our website, which is www.aapf.org for African American Policy Forum. Or you can follow me at Sandy Locks on Twitter or AA Policy Forum on Twitter. Fantastic. Please Dope. come back. Yes. Please invite me. Make sure you yes. bring a henny. Yes. <laughs> Hey, Heaven, guess what? What up? <clears throat> I have a song for you. Can I sing it? Yes. Baby, come through. You deserve rounds tonight. <laughs> I've been practicing. I hate you. There's choreography, too. I just didn't have the room for it. Yo, it's time uh, to buy rounds. Who are you buying a round for? I'm here to buy a round for a documentary that is not as severe as the last one I Thank recommended. God, <laughs> because me and Nicole watched Tickled the other night and we were like, Yo, this is so uncomfortable. Everyone keeps tweeting me about Tickled. Oh I apologize. It's, but did it not live up to the hype, though? It did. It did. It exactly. Did. Unfortunately. You edge of your seat. <laughs> exactly. Okay, what this documentary are you going to ruin our lives soothing. with this week? Okay. <laughs> this is called Twinsters. Oh, I've seen that on Netflix. I haven't watched it, though. So Twinsters is this really cute 2015 documentary about a Korean-American girl. She she was born in Korea, adopted, and she's an L.A. actress, and she's just sort of trying to make it in it. You know, mm-hmm. L.A. struggle. Right, right. Her friend sends her, like, a photo of someone's, like, YouTube page, and she's like, this girl looks like mad like you. Like, what's good? What's oh this? What's happening? No, 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 no. And it's, so and it's like, none of the anxiety of Tickled. <laughs> No, it's a it's a really fun, light, one story documentary where like mm-hmm. the whole thing is just the story of the meeting. They like friend each other on Facebook. They're like, oh, my God, do I have another sister? Is this a long lost sister? Oh, shit. They both ended up being adopted from Korea and they <gasps> realized they had the same birthday. This is all within like 15 minutes of the movie. OK, so the so whole story. No yeah, yeah, yeah okay. no spoiler. The whole story is like I just found it so charming to see that sort of like perennial sister bond, even mm. if like you didn't grow up together, but like you just kind of have this whole thing. And Twinsters is good in that. Um, I don't know. Sometimes twin stuff kind of creeps me out. Yeah, whenever well, like, I'm sure they're used to have that. Their own language. Yeah, it's just like a, I'm just like oh. I'd be freaked out if my kids severe. were talking to each other and I couldn't understand right? them. Y'all got to stop, but y'all got to get out of my house. <laughs> But it's Cannot so continue. cute and it's just so heartwarming and they just want to like learn about each other and they're like, oh my God, I have a sister. This kind of stresses me out. Oh no, it's so fun. I, it's cute, it's cute, it's cute. I believe you. It was cute, warm. Um, if you love you, a sister bond, a sister Aww. girl bond. Sister girl bond. Yes. That sounds like a, a failed government financial program. <laughs> sister girl bonds. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody bought them. <laughs> Nobody but black grandma. Oh, <laughs> here, baby. I bonds for the worst girl war bond. ever. I know. Um, I might check it out. I might. All right. Who All are you right. buying around for, Trace? I am buying around for a song that I forgot exists Ooh. until a couple days ago. That smile on your face. Yeah, I'm so excited. I rediscovered it while I was in the shower. And I was like, what songs did I used to love to sing in the shower more than anything? And I, I was transported back to college. Where me and my roommate and best friend, Brittany, our junior year, we shared a dorm room, right? So it was us in one room on one side. We shared a bathroom with these two girls who, like, played soccer or some shit at college. Uh, they were white because we were the only <laughs> black people there. Uh, and, like, we used to end up showering at the same time together. And we'd be like, okay, what do you want to sing? And, like, neither of us could sing. So we're just like, ah, ah, ah. But one of the best performances. Wait, so there were two showers in the bathroom? There were two showers in the so bathroom. So you would sing together at yes. the same time? she would be in one shower, oh I'm in the other God. shower. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> we was trying to harmonize. Oh! Did not do a good job. But the best songs for this were um, acapella, like, girl group songs. Mm. And I feel like everybody should know that one of the best acapella girl group songs is a song called Tonight. By Escape. Do you remember the song? Oh, wait, no. Tell me more. Oh, my gosh. 1993. So, 
Escape, of course, is the group that brought us X Escape. X and Escape. Such jams as just kicking it, kick yes. off your shoes and relax your feet. I was a weird kid, so I would say kick off your feet and relax your ankles. Oh. It was just odd. Oh, um, God. And of course, in the group was Candy Burris, who is now a superstar of Real Housewives of Atlanta. And there's Tiny, who went on to marry T.I. And birth all of his kids. Whoa, I'm just putting that together. Yeah, she was in the group as well. I didn't know she actually did a thing. Yeah, she did a thing for a while. (laughs) She did a thing, then she married (laughs) T.I. Then she did a reality show thing. Uh, But So I want to try to describe the song before it comes on. So it's completely acapella. Mm -hmm. The group had like, what, four or five people in it so there's all kinds of just like somebody hitting this note somebody hitting that <laughs> note then somebody's coming in at the woohoo with the <laughs> it's a lot it's very theatric and dramatic right I, lo- I just love the idea of you and a girl in a separate shower Listen, coordinating with two you. girls trying to do four part <laughs> harmony when they cannot sing at all Oh, was crazy. That. But the crazy thing was, like, we got a compliment once, and they were like, what was that song you were singing in the shower? And we was like, who? Oh, no. <laughs> they were like, you. It was so great. We was, we, I, I couldn't tell if they were being, like, serious or not. I was like, don't play me. They, they have not don't heard a play good me note a in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> I know. But this is, like, the quintessential, like, song that girls in the 90s would sing at their high school talent shows. Okay. There are highs that are too high and lows that last entirely too long, and it is beautiful it's great so um the song starts out very like calm and serene there's some going on okay and then like by the middle of the song everybody's just tonight (laughs) it's so loud it's just screaming and i love it so much okay come on harmony I don't know if I've ever harmony in my life. <laughs> Nor have I, in spite of me trying. So this is Candy Burris. That's what she does. <laughs> that makes so much sense. There's a lot of like the... Yeah! There's a lot of that. <laughs> Okay, so here comes the chorus. Imagine two girls singing as loud and as hard as they can right now. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I wouldn't trust pentatonics with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is difficult. <laughs> I really admire and respect the Listen, ambition there. You shouldn't. It was just a bad decision to try to sing this song. I love that though. But I recommend it to everybody who's just like, if you need a walk down memory lane, or if you're if you're a young buck who's like, what was music like when it was good? You just go to this <laughs> song. Calm down. <laughs> you listen I think to we it. Should work on a little like songs to sing in the shower with a second companion. Ooh, <laughs> playlist. shower duet yes i'm into it oh man Whoever fire and desire rick james be. Ooh, yeah i want to be rick james though is the thing you got it That's then all you. i kiss your lips <laughs> and you turn on and maybe i should be tina marie no i was so into it <laughs> oh sorry my fire wah, wah, wah. what <laughs> Just adding some womps. Just like that song. Sometimes you Some need unnecessary womps. Yep. Yep. I feel it. <laughs> I, I got nothing. Do you remember that time when we drank Hennessy with Kimberly Crenshaw? Yo. That was fucking crazy. I love when academics are like, you know what? Ah. Uh, Throw some Henny on it. Let's get some brown on it in the system. <laughs> Smoke on it, Henny on it. Yeah. Let's think on it a little bit. Uh, thank you to Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw for coming through and talking with us and for drinking with us and for drinking Hennessy with us on top of that. Yes. It was just like a perfect like mixture of everything that I needed in my life and I'm doing so good today. <laughs> Samesies. You can follow Dr. Crenshaw at Sandy Locks on Twitter, which is the most adorable handle. And you can check out the African American Policy Forum at aafp.org. 
Shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. Burr, burr, burr. That was a good. We out here. We out here. It was so good. This episode was produced by Nina Patak and Julia Ferlin with editorial oversight from Eleanor Kagan and Meg Kramer. And production support from the brand spanking newest member of the Pod Squad. What? Yeah, we stole somebody else from, from Jean at NPR. So excited. <laughs> we coming for your whole team. I got an a shot got it. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, thank you to our in-house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will, who you can follow at Don Will. Also, if either or both of you are listening right now, can we hang out more than we do? Because hi, friends, I miss y'all. Yes, Don Will came to my birthday party, and I was like, "Oh, I've been blessed. I've been blessed." So thank y'all. Uh, follow Heaven on Twitter at Heaven Rants. I be ranting and stuff. She do. You can follow me on Twitter at Broken Beat Poverty because she be broke and stuff. I be having no money and stuff. <laughs> um, you can email us. You can Twitter us. You can Facebook us. You can tell a friend. Tell a friend about, about us. us. At another round on all of the things. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to our newsletter. It's so good. We be having good writings and stuff that <laughs> other people write. <laughs> <laughs> The newsletter's good. We be writing and stuff. We don't be writing. Other people be writing. And we be putting the writing in the newsletter that we write. You know what I'm saying? Go to bed. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Listen, sign up for the newsletter at buzzbeat.com slash another round slash newsletter. Buy you some merch. You can get a t-shirt. You can get a tote bag. Everybody loves a tote bag. Um, do that at shop.buzzbeat.com. Drink some water. Take your meds. Call your person. Back up your data, y'all. Oh, you know what else? What is the thing that my phone has been telling me to do? I need to like... Update? I did that. Okay. So I did that last week. And then do you know that yesterday my phone was like, you need to update this shit? I was like, no, you give me a You should update some more. But I just did it. Mm -mm. I don't like That's how they get you. This is too much change. That's how they get you, meaning this is how you win. I just you wish update they would... some more because they're like, we fixed the security some more, <laughs> damn it. Fix why the did, bug. Why wouldn't they just fix it all the way the first time? So I don't have to keep getting used to new interfaces and shit. I don't like it. Don't I don't like, like getting used to new faces either. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. At least I know I'm not alone. Y'all, back up your data. Okay, do that. And then up, <laughs> update your phone software. Yes. Upgrade your... Oh, okay. No. Beyonce. No, we're he- not ending he- on that note. Heaven Beyonce. Do not. <laughs> B. Evan? You know, we don't talk enough about how Blue Ivy looks like me, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> I no, need a diagram. Can I make a confession? Because I don't really see Oh, that. I will show okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story for another day. All right. This would be a good live show thing to do. Heaven is secretly related to the Carter Knowles's. Oh, uh, Heaven Carter Knowles. Hey, girl. I see it. So I'm excited I for the next live show. My baby hair's got baby hairs. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's time it's to your go. boy. <laughs> <Hope>. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Did we do it? Are we done? Also, a thing that you should remember is um, is it Bram Stroker? Bram Stroker? Is it Stroker or Stoker? <laughs> One of those is a porn star. <laughs> Yo, if I was a dude and I was a porn star, guess what my name would be?